We're sitting on Tommy Castro's bus in Ajax, Ontario. Tommy's playing here tonight. He's been kind enough to chat with me about his life in music. How are you? I'm doing great. Now so, that we're here, you know, it's always the it's always the uh, you know the journey getting getting into a, uh, the first uh, gig of the tour, depending on where it starts. You know, sometimes it rarely starts in California because there's you know we we work at we work. Um, California, uh, Nevada, and places like that, you know, regionally, when we're uh, not on tour, per right. se, you know, we'll, we'll run off and do weekend gigs all over California. And so we get that covered when we're home. And so the jump between California and all the rest of the gigs in the country is, you know, it's usually the first place is sometimes, you know, Chicago. <laughs> in this case, the first time, the first gig was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So so how often do you go on the road like this is this is like to me it seemed like a ridiculous schedule but you tell me it's not that ridiculous but pretty normal <laughs> okay so you, but you started a couple of days ago in michigan and now you probably go for the next six eight weeks and have very few breaks in between yeah um well you know well once we get out here we want to uh you know work every night if possible uh, we you know, we don't look for nights off. We don't schedule nights off on purpose, but they'll, they'll, they'll come along uh, anyway. There's going to be early weeknights uh, that we'll need, and we'll need a travel day sometimes to get to jump from one region to another. And um, so, so anyway, now that now that we're here, it's just one one day to the next, and it's it's pretty smooth. And you have a plan as to how far you want to travel every day? Like, is there a rule that says to your agent, you don't book anything over eight hours or six hours or? No, we just we just take the offers and we look at them and we decide whether, uh, you know, it's doable. And and then, of course, you know, um, how motivated are we to get there? Is, is it a is it a big uh is it a big gig? You know, mm -hmm. is it a gig that pays a lot of money that that uh, is a you know a good career uh, gig for us? You know, a lot of the gigs are just routing gigs, getting from one place to the next, and you're you're kind of you know showing up and and playing uh, for you know the our fans. You know, which is that's the most important thing that we find places to reach the people who want to come and see us. So we, we look for places all over the country and. Any and in other countries, you know, and uh, where where people want to come and see us, and so we need to uh, hit a, a number of spots along the way. Um, but generally, there's a couple of uh, anchor dates. There's a, a like we have the Tampa Bay, Bay Blues Festival on right. this gig, and the uh, Kalamazoo, you know, does this uh, blues series uh, every year, and so those are. Those are sort of like we get, we get those in place and then we fill everything else in around it that makes sense. And then sometimes it's just like, well, you could barely make it. <laughs> but, um, you know, if it means uh, a lot of times it'll mean driving through the night, you know, we'll finish one show. Right. Uh, somebody will take, you know, we'll get somebody to drive uh, the first half of a. Uh, the way to the next spot maybe it's an eight or ten hour drive to the next spot and we don't want to try to do that the next day we'll just travel through the night and you know with um we have we usually have a main one main uh driver on board and then everybody guys in the band uh, randy and uh, bowen 
what can relieve the because it's really just like driving a motorhome. Really, just a little bit. Forty-five bigger. foot motorhome. <laughs> <laughs> so if we go back, can I ask you? When you first started, and I remember you telling me you used to drive a truck for a day job and you would sing along to Ray Charles and that was your, your practice and whatever, and you would do gigs on the weekend and pass the jar around. Can you tell me about when you first started, what your goals were at that point for the band that you were in? Yeah, I remember um, I was playing I was playing in some cover bands, you know, like blue, a, a blues and R&B cover band. I did. I played a little stint with a with a group that was doing kind of miscellaneous oldies, you know, and uh, they were doing miscellaneous oldies. And when I got in the band, it, it became there was a lot more soul and blues stuff going on. Uh, but uh, that was just something I did for fun um, when I was when I was younger. And I remember one of my first goals is I I wanted to be in a in a you know a real bona fide band doing original music and uh, that were a band that would be listed in the uh, the date book in San Francisco you know not just a bar band that right. didn't get any any listings or any any uh, you know you just did your gig you got paid you had fun and that was it but I wanted to be in a real band that was really doing something that was my first goal and uh, and so uh, I believe that there was a there was a, a local band that I was in in San Jose. We started doing our own original material and started making a little noise, you know, um, around home. And then I decided if I was serious about doing music, I would I should probably move from San Jose to San Francisco, where there was a little bit more vibrant music scene, and the blues scene was really starting to become very popular in San San Francisco. There was and what a, year would this have been? It would be the early 90s, okay. I think. And there was just a ton of, the late 80s, early 90s, and there was just all kinds of little places you, you could play, little blues joints, jump, you know. Or, or there were there were live music clubs, small clubs, bars, whatever you want to call them, but the music that they were playing in those joints was, was blues because it had become very popular at the time. So it gave us a, a great chance to work out our, our own material and stuff. Um I joined that uh, the Dynatones for mm -hmm. a little while, and I did some touring with them. And uh, then I decided it was time for me to start my own band. And uh, so, so one goal at a time kind of came off. I kind of I remember looking at like what is the next thing that I want that I need to do, you know. And the next thing I needed to do after being in the Dynatones for a while and getting some experience on the road and getting known uh, to some of the their fans. Uh, was to start my own band and um, there were so many places to play in San Francisco it really was easy uh, an easy move for me to just start my own group start booking gigs so at that point now it's starting your band and I presume sometime after that soon after that it was expanding your geography to beyond San Francisco yeah and how easy was that to go to other places and, and make your name in other locations? Well, it was, um, so the, the first goal of starting my own band was to, to work enough in San Francisco to support myself and, um, and my bandmates, whoever was playing with me at that time. And so we managed that and we had a full calendar. We would do, we still kind of, uh, I look back and, and there was this, uh, 
the date book that I was talking about came out one time and had us on the cover. And it said the hardest working band in San Francisco. And we had done 350 shows in a year. Wow. <laughs> and that's because you could do two shows a day in San Francisco. <laughs> you could do a four to eight slot on the wharf. And then you could go play a little club that night. Or you play a festival during the day and you could play another club that night. There, was, there wasn't much of a problem with radius clauses like we have now. Because mm -hmm. we were still considered a local band. And so, so my next goal was, you know, after being able to, you know earn a living playing you know my own music and my own band that the next step was to get a record out and to get out on the road and so we needed an agent and we needed a label and those things kind of came because we were making so much noise in san francisco and starting building up our audience you know that the record label blind pig came around and, and offered me a, a deal and once uh, we got that in place um uh, my agent that I still work with, Tom Gold, came along and, and wanted to uh, start booking us. So those two things kind of lucky for us went to, went together, and uh, and we just started covering the country. And you know, um, it's a big country. So how do you tackle that when when you look at the U.S.? Was there like did you concentrate on certain regions or? You know, lucky for me, once the their first record came out and Tom Gold got uh, on the booking, um, got you know, got on the case f f to book us, it kind of all just worked out. You know, it all worked out. You know, we just uh, started setting up, you know, the label and the agent would work together on, we want to, you know, the, the record's coming out and they need to hit these markets. And... Uh, and things were a little different then, you know. I mean, people mm -hmm. were still, if you wanted to, if you wanted music, you had to, you had to buy it, and you had to buy a physical hard copy. Nobody was on the internet yet. Uh, I remember the internet came along, or you know, people having websites and things like that came along, right in the middle of us, in the middle of our San Francisco heyday, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of our fans came along and said, I'm starting a web page for you guys. And, it, and I said, oh, cool. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he, he came up with this and it had this, it had this web address, this URL that was, it was ridiculous. It didn't have, <laughs> it didn't say Tommy Castro anything. It was just some number, uh, miscellaneous numbers and letters. And, and, and you had to rem memorize that. Order, we were all trying to figure it out, how to get on it and stuff. And only, uh, I, I wonder, I guess maybe we had computers at that time. I don't remember when they came into the picture, but I remember, I remember going, I see other websites with the, that have a lot simpler addresses. Can we change? Can we change that? And he went, Oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> what do you want it to be? I said, Well, how about TommyCastro.com? That would be good. And anyway, so uh, we were still. Um, so where was I? You know, we we were hitting the road, uh, and we were you know selling records, and it was uh, it worked out. The two things went together. You know. They were able to book us because we had a record out, and be, because we were booked, we were able to sell sell records. Okay, so at that point, what would your goals, immediate goals, have been at that point? I wanted to be, I wanted to be, uh, and I first of all, at that point was, I wanted to just establish 
you know, build my audience mm-hmm. in uh, around just like we did back home, but everywhere else now. And I thought, surely there must be some fast forward thing that happens because it, I can't possibly have to go to every market <laughs> in the, you know, in the country or other countries and build it up like I did back home. I mean, I'll take forever. As it turns out, that is how you do it. You have to go one gig at a time. People taking a chance or hearing about you and they come out and there's a small crowd the first time you come out, you know, and then the next time you come, they bring their friends and, and, uh, and we would get, we would build up our, uh, our audience town to town, just like we did back home. And in some markets, we would get some decent area, uh, radio play right. as they were still playing blues on the radio on like mainstream rock stations would have a certain amount of blues uh, programming, you know, you would hear pretty regularly. You'd hear mm-hmm. Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, Robert Cray, Bonnie Raitt, um, you know, even Albert Collins or something like that, you know, on, on right. the radio. Um, of course, Johnny Lang and Kenny Wayne Shepherd and, um, you know, more contemporary blues artists were starting, were getting played on the radio. So we'd slide in there on the playlist every once in a while. Now, was there... A philosophy that you followed like was there a rule that made you think okay this is what we have to follow well this is the golden rule that we need to do in order to gain audiences like was there any kind of a goal or a rule that you had with the band that said this is how we conquer the world well i just um i just remember thinking uh that everywhere we go regardless of the size of the place or the the size of the audience we give them the show like as if we were at madison square gardens you know we're just going to give it everywhere we go everybody gets the show they paid their money to come and see us and we're going to give them the best show we got you know in us that night and uh and so uh i also would um after the show i always come out you know, and sign things and greet people and meet people and talk to people and um, let them know we appreciate, you know, them mm-hmm. helping us to do what we love to do. Because without the without that audience, there's, we really don't have, uh, we can't do what we do. And, and I, I really appreciate them. And so I would always show up after the show. I still do that. I'll do that tonight. You know, I, I come out after the show and talk to everybody. And in over a period of time, um, I guess my goal was to, you know, build my audience around the country like that. And I was, uh, we're always um, trying to do two things with the music, trying to be authentic and and true, uh, you know, musically to who we are, who I am, and what it is that I do, what I have a, an idea of what it is that I, I do. And it's, it's you know... Con- you know, it's uh, all these different influences that I have comes through me and it comes out, you know, my kind of music. But at the same time, we were trying to, we were hoping that one of those songs or would catch on, you know, in a big way and, and move us up uh, into a, another uh, level, mm-hmm. you know, which uh, we had, uh, you know, we came close with that on a couple of albums you know a couple of like i said back in the day when we were getting some regular radio play but um it wasn't long after that 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 our you know this this kind of music just stopped getting uh radio play and i think it's kind of like it kind of happened at the same time as uh 
you know, it's happening with our hometown radio station that was like one of the great stations. It's just happening this week, as a matter of fact. Mm. They were taken over by Cumulus a while back, and then uh, they kind of kept the same format and the same people, and we just found out like this week that all everybody got fired. <laughs> they just wow. let everybody go, and they're just going to, everything's going to be canned. You know, this is not even going to be hardly any personalities working on that station anymore, you know. And it was really a so the combination of the change in radio, the change in the music business and and things like that. Um, so now um, we just, uh, you know, we just keep going out there and and playing. There's there's people that have been following us for years. They still continue to bring, you know, friends along and uh, um we reach our audience instead of the radio so much we reach them by way of the internet there's you know um i just did a couple of new music videos for the last album we did a song called uh, common ground and we did a video for the uh, an, another one just recently called ride and that was a lot of fun because that was the that neighborhood in san francisco where we used to work all the time mm -hmm. uh we shot it in that neighborhood in North Beach. You know, we just we walked around the streets of North Beach, and it, the song kind of tells a story of, of, uh, of that place and that time for us. And so we, you know, we reach people by continually putting out um, new music on a regular basis, and then kind of um, using a, it. Just kind of, I guess, what I'm saying is going along with. Uh, the times and going on along, along with the technology and the way that music business has changed. I just, I just ride it like a wave, you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's turbulent, you know, it's, it's a, it's dangerous. It's a problem, but you know, you can't just, you can't just sit back and complain about how things are. You kind of got to go along with them and ride it out the best way you can. And uh, instead of resisting it, you know, kind of embrace it and go with it. And it's worked out pretty well for us because I'm, I'm, we're still out here doing it. For sure. <laughs> and I'm still amazed. <laughs> I'm always but, amazed. But when you see the change happening, like when you saw the changes with the radio, and yeah. you, you kind of recognize that things are changing out there, is it easy to just kind of ch change your strategy and, and, and how you deal with it? I don't think it's easy. None of it's easy. That's true. That That's the main thing. The easy thing is getting up at night and playing my show. You know, that's what we all do we were doing it for fun at first. We did it for fun. We didn't have big uh, aspirations uh, when I first picked up my guitar, you know, as a kid. Uh, I just wanted to be like my big brother, you know, who played guitar. And I thought he was cool, so I wanted to play guitar. And he had all these girls calling him up and stuff like that. I thought, yeah, guitar. <laughs> girls. <laughs> That's it. And I and I played for fun. I got together with my friends and we jammed in garages and uh, we'd go to parties and we'd all set up instruments and play in. And I had no intention or any idea that I was going to grow up to be a, a professional musician. That's just what I did for fun. And we all got into it for fun, I think. And so when we get up on stage now, you know, that's the easy part. That's fun. Uh, how do you keep how do you remain relevant after 20, 25 years, you know, playing on a blues circuit? The blues circuit is, uh, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's not mainstream. It's not masses uh, of people following it. Mm -hmm. uh, some people know everybody who's out there doing the blues. 
because they love the music. They follow it. They like all the old stuff. They listen to Muddy Waters and Ray Charles, and they're also listening to, you know, Joe Bonamassa and Samantha Fish. You know, they know who's who, and they and they keep follow, and they they keep up on it. And and those are the people that uh, that we come and play for all the time. But um, how do you stay in the game, you know? And how do you be? More importantly, is how do you be worthy of it, you know? And I think, I think that's what matters most is that, you know, um, how, you know, am I just putting out another record because I need to put out another record to stay in business? Right. Or am I really putting out art? Am I really, do I really care about what my music is? And so, and that's, that's why I get to keep doing this is because I really do care about the next project. I want that to be something good i want it to be something a little bit different i like to make a different record every time if you look at the difference between uh the devil you know and this latest record method to my madness they're they're quite a bit different mm -hmm. but they still sound like me and they still sound like you know my band and, and me um and and if you go back before the devil you know that's another thing altogether you know it's a it's quite a bit different and so um so I care about, you know, the fact that the music that we're putting out is not just, you know, business as usual, you right. know, without any, any, uh, so that, so the, the part about it, um, not being easy is it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes, you know, you look at, you're asking yourself to be creative and come up with something that's good and you don't know if it's in there or not. You know, I just, <laughs> I just keep working at it. I just keep trying and I work with other songwriters and, uh, I, I get ideas from my band, you know, they always have a lot of good ideas, but I keep pushing until I, I think we've got something. But I know, I know song is important. I remember you were talking at one point we were in Memphis and you were talking to Gary Nicholson about getting more songs. Yeah. I know songs are key. Yeah. And and how do you know which way to go next? I mean, does that just come from gut feel or like yeah. how do you change that direction of the band? Uh, I tend to uh, keep my ears open, I guess. And, and I'm, I'm listening and I'm interested in, you know, other people's music. And so as I'm listening, I remember probably the, the biggest uh, shift for me happened after my kids, my two youngest kids got to be teenagers and they really started programming the music on the ride to school in the morning. <laughs> it wasn't me anymore. It was them. And so, and I like, I was, I was cool with that. Like guys, now there's, there's such music freaks, both of my younger children, all of my kids are, 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 are music fans, but, um, the two young ones were just starting to find their own sounds and things that they liked. And they were, you know, uh, I, I think I must've had an influence on them cause they like, they like really good stuff. They like classic blues and soul music and they like really cool, heavy rock music. And they like, uh, really, uh, they, they always are always finding the new cool stuff and then they show it to me. And, and so, so I, I had my ears open just before the the devil you know came out. I was I was listening to some of this stuff, and that's that's when I first probably heard the Black Keys, mm -hmm. 
And I thought, man, these guys are playing the blues. They just got a little different twist on it. It's a little bit more modern, more contemporary. It's got an edge to it. The, it's really well written and great, you know, amazingly produced, uh, original sounding stuff. But, but it's most definitely the blues. You know, that's where this stuff comes from. And they're really good songs. And so that's what I'm always after. You know, I want to stay doing what I do, which is blues and R&B. Uh, but I want to continue to have really good songs and, and, and try to keep it interesting for me. And anyway, I started listening to some of the stuff that they were listening to, and that had an effect on me. So the, the, the direction of my next album, I just didn't want to go out there with a band, a big band with horns anymore. I, I wanted to do something a little bit more, a little bit more edgy and a little bit more guitar driven. And I, I wanted to push myself a little more on the guitar and, and I, and I made myself practice the slide a little bit and I made myself play some different guitars and different amps and different effects and, and uh, messed around with a lot of different sounds and um, and then I had uh, I had while I was listening to some of this other music that previously wasn't on my radar I, I started zeroing in on the drums and the and the grooves and the and the the rhythms on some of this stuff was and I realized, wow, for years, I've been kind of recycling the same beats. I mean, I'd have a new song, right. new changes, new melody, you know, um, but a lot of the same rhythms were being used over and over. This, you know, different, just a handful of basic R&B and blues rhythms that you, you could use over and over and over again. And I didn't plan it that way, but that's what I did. And I woke up and went, wow, there's so much more we could be doing rhythmically with this stuff. And that would really give a, a nice shift, you know, and it was excited about doing that. So I took these, a lot of these new sounds and uh, new, new guitar sounds and I mixed them with new drum grooves, you know, and then Randy would come in and help me sort of finish it up and work it out. And, you know, and that was exciting. And I really had a great time making that, that album. And then, uh, but after, after doing that one, uh, it was such a big project. I mean, I had uh, a handful of special guests, you know, and had to get all of them recorded by mm -hmm. Joe Bonamassa and Tab Benoit and Marsha Ball, Magic Dick, Samantha Fish. Every uh, Some people recorded right in the Bay Area, just happened to come through town like Tab and Marsha. And then I had to get a couple others flown in from where they were just for time you know, sake of time and space and everything, we got all of that done. And there was three producers. There was a handful of different uh, studios involved. Uh, I was co-producing with Bonnie Hayes. It was the first time that her and I worked together. Great songwriter from the Bay Area, who now is uh, the head of Berkeley School of Music in mm -hmm. Boston songwriting department. Oh. So she's a pretty good songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I was working with her, and then in the middle of the project, she had to leave because she got that job in, in Boston. And so I wound up finishing it up on my own with uh, the help of an engineer and a mix engineer and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was a heavily, way heavily uh, produced and involved project. And I was real happy with the record and everything that happened uh, because of it. But when it came time to do this latest one, I was exhausted. I was like, man, 
I want this one to be so simple. And that will be the difference between that record and this right. record, is that instead of this heavily involved project, like this big old art project that I had on my plate, this one's going to be me and my guys, no special guests. We're going to go in a room. We're going to play these songs as, as uh, organic and live as possible. I'm going to keep as many guitar solos as possible that I cut live with the band without overdubs. And uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to do as little as possible, any kind of fixing or post-production and just keep it sounding raw and real. And that's, and that's what we did. So I feel like whew, I got another one, <laughs> I got another one <laughs> under my belt that I, I'm proud of. I, I, I like the songs. I like the performances and I feel like we, we accomplished our, our job of, of making a different record again. So, so when we when we met in London a few years ago, London, Ontario, you were talking about that change and you want you said you wanted to go more guitar based. I remember having that conversation with you. Is that are you where you thought you would be back then? Um that's a good question. Um I guess all I could say is I, I did the best I can about that, you know. Uh part of the uh realization uh you know going through that process is that um i've been me for a long time and and i am always trying to learn something new and trying to keep improve my guitar skills and my songwriting skills and you know vocals the whole like the whole thing um but it's not it's not easy no, I'm sure it's not. To learn and add new things at this stage of the game, you know? And so after having done all that, I think that I, you know, I grew a lot. Uh, but at the same time, I, I found a, I found a appreciation for, you know, what I have kind of been doing all along, too, you know? It was just like, you know, that there was, uh, there was something good about that. And when I, when I, and that's really kind of part of the theme of this, this latest record, Method to My Madness, is uh, I wanted to get back to like, you know, what did I originally started out doing stuff like uh, a slow blues by Buddy Guy. You know, that was something that I did well. And when I did that live in clubs, you know, people people loved it. And, and it was real because I loved that mm -hmm. sound so much, you know, that's what I did. And so I wanted to go back and do something like that again. So I wrote that song called Lose Lose and I cut it live with the band um, and and it was it kind of took me back to basics a little bit, um, and so so what am I saying here? You know, I I made uh, I, I made a, a a really good uh, effort at adding to what I did, and you know, forcing myself to play more guitar because I felt like in the old band with the horns and everything, I could hide behind the sound of this amazing band and I didn't have to work so hard, you know, mm. I really didn't. Ha I could stop playing altogether and it sounded awesome, you know. <laughs> I didn't have to do anything. I could stand there and go, this is awesome, you know. And I realized I, I can't keep doing this. I'm going to have to, I have to get, you know, I'm going to push myself a little uh, to play some more guitar. And, and, and I know that I'd, uh, added a lot to my playing and I think it uh, I grew a lot through that time but I'm also right now kind of enjoying just relaxing and playing what comes natural you know right. 
And if you listen to this latest record, you'll hear it sounds uh, it sounds like that. So we're sitting in the, on your bus, and I'm always impressed. When I think of successful blues musicians, I think of you. Like you're like one of the first people that come in, comes into my head, and always has. I don't know, probably because you have a bus, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe more than that. But also because when I see you play live, you always put on. No matter when I've seen you, it's always been a great show. So I. Let's talk about the bus, not the music, but let's talk about the bus. So at what point did you decide you wanted, you needed to make this purchase? Because I think that, that it sounds great, but I, I'm sure there's a huge cost involved in touring with a bus. I'm sure yeah. that it gives you a little more freedom, but also it gives you a little more restrictions as well. So yeah. at what phase of your career did you think, I need a bus and this is the way that I need to travel? Okay, so um, for one thing... Us being from California, uh, when we go out on tour, it's not it's not practical for us to go out for a, a week or two and then and go home. You know, right. when we're out here, we need to stay out here for as long as long as it makes sense. Anyway, you know, at least a month. You know, we try to do three, four, five, six weeks, whatever makes sense, depending on what the anchor dates are. Doing that in a in a in a fifteen passenger van. You know, there's a lot of really long drives. There's late, you know, and it's, uh, you know, you get a band of guys of a certain age and, you know, you, you got to stop all the time. Uh, and I, I realized that I, I remember having this conversation with myself. I talk to myself a lot mm-hmm. and I do answer myself. Good. And I don't think that makes you crazy because if you ask yourself a question, it would be rude not to answer. <laughs> so I, so I talked to myself and I remember thinking, man, we were out there in my, uh, I had some sort of a, I guess I had a 15 passenger van. And then I, I decided, I said, you know, if I'm going to be out here, this is going to be half of my life, at least, at least half of the time I spend on the planet from here on out is going to be on the road. And what do I want my life to be like, you know? Um, and so it means, uh, it means working, making sure the calendar is full. Uh, and it means uh, if, and if you, if you use a bus wisely, you can save money uh, on hotel rooms. It's like we don't sleep on the bus all the time because that, that, that would get old. Mm-hmm. But we can. Uh, let's say we're going to be in New York City where the cost of, of, of accommodations is sky high. We'll just, uh, we'll just travel after show, sleep on the bus. You right. know, We could pull up at a truck stop. We've even on occasion pulled into RV parks. Where they have shore power, you could plug in and use all, you know, use the. They have showers there and, and everything, um, but I decided that the quality of life now was more important than me trying to accumulate a bunch of money for later on in life. Right. <laughs> and so I, I thought, you know, or to to spend my money on other things, you know, I uh, this is my, you know, some guys have a. You know, maybe they have some, they have, they have nice cars they collect or, you know, they have 50 guitars of, who needs 50 guitars? I can only play one at a time. But to me, I think being on, on, you know, being able to live my life in, in comfortable and uh, getting the rest I need uh, before the shows, that's really important. You know, if you're trying to get to a gig and you, and you're going to be driving all day and you can't get, you know, can't take a nap. Um, you know, at this, I say at this stage of the game, what I mean is at my age, <laughs> you've had a bus like for a while. This though. stage of the game sounds better than at my age, but 
you know, I need to, I need to be well rested. And um, I like, uh, here's the things about, that I just love about being, having my home away from home. I mean, I've got my clothes in a little closet over there. Um, I don't have to schlep everything in and out of the hotel. You know, I leave a lot of stuff on here. We've got all the, we've got electrical power and, um, you know, a restroom. It's even got a shower if we wanted to use it. We don't use it very much, but you can cook yourself a meal in here. You could stock a bunch of food. Uh, I like to eat certain kinds of, uh, you know, pretty much natural foods and uh, organic whenever possible, but I, I eat healthy. And uh, if I, if we, if the food options where we are suck, which is a lot of the country, you mm -hmm. know, it's all chain restaurants and, and a bunch of crap out there. Um, I got stuff on the bus that I, you know, so I can get good uh, nutrition while I'm out here. And, you know, so uh, a lot of times you play a small venue and there's no, there is no green room. We take, take a routing gig from one place to the other, and it's a, it's a vibrant little blues scene, you know, and the, the crowd is great and the club rocks, but they don't have, uh, you just kind of have to hang around. And so having your own little dressing room, you know, also, I mean, it's so I guess the value to me to go to this expense, um, it makes sense. Oh, yeah. But it's, I presume it's a, it's an ex, not extravagant, but it's it's a big expense. But too. I'm not a rock star, so yeah, it you know money is an issue for us. And, so, and then you have to make sure you do enough gigs to make it worthwhile to take yeah. the, you know with gas prices and everything, right? Yeah, and we got lucky, man. The bass, the the gas prices came down <laughs> so low that that has made a huge difference, right. you know. But if it went the other way, it's a huge issue for you. It was, yeah. We lived through. I mean, we had the old bus. We had the Gray Goose, man. When during the during the Bush years. <laughs> Let's don't talk politics. <laughs> I got to tell you guys, so I, I, I love Canada. So are we. I'm more and more, more and more. I'm like, you know, I just wanted to write, you know, people in the U S government and say, you know, come on, don't tell me we can't have healthcare. They've been doing it for a long time. And guess what? They even have rich people there. <laughs> Let me finish with one question. One more question. Yeah. So at this phase in your career, this stage of your life. This stage of my, this stage of the game. <laughs> so where are you? What are your goals? Like what, what, what do you see in the future for you? Well, I, what I'd like to do is, uh, you know, one record at a time. Keep mm -hmm. trying to make another record that is somehow different from the last one and uh with quality material and songs and uh, an interesting uh, uh you know approach or concept and and one record at a time i'm going to keep doing that and uh and continue to to come out here and uh greet the people from you know basically just doing what i'm doing now and i just uh, i'm really pretty happy doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I, I love my life. I, w I wake up, oh, not a day goes by that I don't have, you know, to check in with myself and remind myself, you know, uh, that I'm one of the luckiest people I know, you know, to, to, to do what I do and to have the support of all these people out here and, you know, my life in general, my family and my uh, friends and, you know, uh, 
you know, knock on wood, I'm, 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 in, I'm in good health and able to continue to come out and do this. So my next goal is just to like look to the next, the next record. And um, I would like to, you know, what I'm doing right now actively and, you know, is, is, is continuing to try to, to find some new audience for us, you know, just to find some more exposure to different uh, people who don't already know about us, find uh, find our way into you know uh, some you know some some new audience, help maybe build the audience a little bit. But other than that, just business as usual, going about uh, you know making records, putting on good shows, trying to keep the music interesting for myself. And uh, and one day, I imagine that I will slow down the touring schedule quite a bit and kind of cherry pick gigs, mm -hmm. but I don't see myself stopping ever <laughs> till they, till they say, Tommy, you can't, you can't do <laughs> When you were, when you were driving the truck, singing to Ray Charles on the radio and imagining that one day you will be a touring musician traveling all over the world. Is this what you pictured it to be? Oh, geez. I don't know, man. Uh, you know, when uh, when I, at the time that I was doing that, that I was telling you, I had my day job and yeah. I would I would listen to cassette tapes of Little Richard and Ray Charles and stuff, and that's how I learned how to sing. Uh, lessons would have been a good idea, but <laughs> <laughs> didn't even dawn on me. I just thought I'd just sing along. I sound just like Little Richard right now in my head, <laughs> which of course I really didn't, but it seemed like it at the time. Uh, uh, I, all I wanted at that point was that my goal at that point was to have a working band that so I could get rid of that job, you know, and just just play music. And I was thinking playing around San Francisco Bay Area would be great just to stay, you know, play, have enough gigs to make a living that way. I wasn't really thinking about me being a national act yet. Mm -hmm. I just uh, I was just trying to kind of uh, be good enough to do that you know so the the, the next step kind of came as i kept doing it i kept oh well we got to this point that's where i was trying to get to before now i'm there so what do i want to do next you know and just kind of kept looking to the next step but um there's there's i guess there were times in my life while i was kind of doing this in the early days where i i didn't think that I was going anywhere. And there was times when I thought maybe I was gonna be a big crossover blues act. And uh, well, I wound up somewhere in between. And and it's, uh, you know, like I said, I'm pretty pretty pleased with the way things are going. But, was, it, uh, was there a moment in your journey that you were on stage and you looked around and thought, this is pretty amazing. This is, I've reached a point of not looking back not that you've made it but was there a point that you, you sat on stage and thought this is amazing this is what yeah. can oh. you share that with me well i don't remember any any one time i think of that's happened to me a thousand times a thousand times i mean okay here's a good example i'm on tour with bb king and then i find out that it's actually possible for me to sit down right next to him during his show and play with them. I'm like, wow, that completely blew my mind, you know, or, uh, and there's a number of situations like that have happened to me over the years. You know, Elvin Bishop, as you know, was one of my big influences. 
And, uh, man, I get to hang out with Elvin, you know, quite a bit. We do shows together once in a while. We do the cruise together and stuff. And um, I never thought that I'd be, like, you know, hanging out with Elvin. And there's a picture of me on the last Blues Cruise with Elvin and Taj. We're just all hanging out backstage, you know, sitting. And uh, Taj Mahal, you know, was another one of these huge influences for me when I was a kid. When my friends were listening to The Doors or listening to, you know, Black Sabbath or something like that. I was listening to Taj. I was trying to play the old folks at home stuff on acoustic guitar. And I'd be singing Fish and Blues and Nanny's Lover and stuff like that. So here I am sitting on the, sitting there's Elvin and then there's Taj right next to me. And I'm like, never thought this was going to happen. <laughs> never in a million years you could have told me this was going to happen, you know. And it's still a thrill. It's still a huge thrill. I mean, I, that was the last cruise I'm talking about. I mean, that was just that just happened recently, and I've had many uh, amazing things like that. But it's nothing more really gratifying or satisfying or um, than really just uh, to realizing that 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 somehow our music, what I've done, or what we do, matters to people out there. There's fans that, you know, they they feel that, you know, what we do is important and they feel that we made a difference in their life. They feel that we've, you know, brought joy to their life or helped them through hard times. Um, that's the coolest stuff, you know. The other stuff is just really exciting and fun for me. Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, feeling like my life might mean something you know um it's that and we get that from time to time from from the from the folks that have been supporting us all these years and uh yeah and it's good to see you again man i it's mean good. you know what I've we've been doing this for quite a while now like i think 13 years or something i think <laughs> i met you in ottawa in like 2003 and you've been kind ever since and i really appreciate that like i every time i you're in the neighborhood i look forward to seeing you and i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me all the time so well thank you. i think it's amazing that you do what you do you know i mean it, <laughs> what is that <laughs> well um there's you know there's uh all of this stuff works together as you know i mean you know we have to have if, if we we make music and then nobody wants to talk about it or nobody wants to play it on the radio or nobody wants to you know, come and buy a ticket or here. I mean, it all works together. You have fans, you have media, mm -hmm. you have the artists, you have the agencies and the management and, and uh, record labels. And, and all of this stuff is going on just so, like tonight, you know, people are going to come out and, and just uh, just have a good time. <laughs> it's funny that we put so much is involved in people just going out and having some fun. Yeah, and thank God for that, man. <laughs> for sure. Thank you so much for doing this. It's a real right, honor. You guys. Yeah. Thanks. All right.